Welcome back, folks, to episode 24 of the Running Man Self-Regulation Skills and Self-Improvement Project podcast. With me, your host, Dr. Armando Dominguez, Ph.D. in Health Psychology, Licensed Professional Counselor, and also an adjunct professor at a local community college. And I'm hoping that today is treating you well. And our topic today is going to be about suggestion. The things that many hypnotherapists and cold readers that in Las Vegas people are known for being able to create influence and really good shows and getting people to quack like ducks on stage, this sort of thing. Well, we're not going to be discussing stage hypnotism, but we will be discussing the power of suggestion because suggestion is something that isn't only influencing us in our environment by way of what people say, even though that is a very large portion that occurs uh, within a social paradigm where we're interacting with people, but also our external environment where we are walking, whether it be the woods or in town, a rural area, a very populated city along the lines of a concrete jungle. And yes, I am implying that there be predators because there are some that would choose to manipulate us to get our goods, our money, or at least our attention. And now in the age of social media, attention is definitely something that is very heavily suggested. And it's not always in verbiage. It's what we hold in our hands, our cell phones, what we listen to in our ears, the music and the ads, advertisements, marketing that are repeated frequently. So we'll be discussing a couple of modes of suggestion, also levels of suggestion relative to me, where I exist, and I'm ground zero in the sense of me living my life, and uh, wherever my center moves, that is me, the I, the self, the self-image, and the individual that I am that exists and interacts and interfaces with our world. So uh, we'll start off with what is going to be the most powerful of suggestions, and that is the most proximal. Proxemics has to do with distance from me, distance from center, and I had to use that term to make a good point of where the proxemics or distance uh, comes into play relative to a suggestion. And the most proximal part of me is where I stand physically within that little space where my feet occupy in the external environment is going to be my immediate center ground zero. But that's only the external environment. Of course, we'll talk about the internal because that is a proxemic of its own. And uh, that proximal space that we're calling external environment starts from me. So once again, the most proximal suggestion or the closest suggestion is the one that in most cases is nearest to me in the physical, external, outside of my skin sense. Now, I'm going to be defining some terms on purpose, and we'll get to the point of this whole exercise today in, in today's podcast, so therefore the definitions. And the next part is going to be distance. So the most distal, the furthest away point from wherever I stand in this external environment, there is a forest and there are trees, and I'm in the middle of it. Therefore, where I'm at, once again, is ground zero is the most proximal, but the most distal is going to be the furthest point. And what is the most distal or the or probably the least powerful, least influential suggestion is going to be the one that's farthest from me or the one that has the least amount of impact. So if we look at it in that sense, notice I use the term look, emphasizing the sense of image relative to my space out. I'm giving you a narrative to, to follow along with me, and that way we can relate together on this. So we have a sense of distance and power, power up close versus power far away. Now, we're not speaking 
in mechanical terms, like a bullet coming out of a rifle and being able to exert power at a distance, that is a fact. That's something else that we're not going to be dealing with today. But what we're talking about is influence, once again, the influential suggestion of our environment that will tell us whether or not we feel safe and whether or not we feel like something can influence or change what we're doing, or maybe even how we're feeling or thinking as a result of that influence or that action or thing that's going on outside of us that may impact how I exist or feel or experience in my ground zero space where my feet occupy in the physical material world. The next thing, after the distal and proximal, we're going to make a point of realizing that both of those impact how I think, how I feel, and how I choose and decide. So why is suggestion so important? One is knowing where influence comes into my mind and and my world is really absolutely important because then I can tell when things are impacting me and what it is that I may be interfacing with, interacting with, or getting impacted by somehow. And then I can take action to either counter it if it's a negative thing, if I have time to do that. But also that gives me an idea as to what is it that's causing me to feel or think differently versus what I was experiencing just moments before I interacted with this force. So often when we discuss suggestion, we tend to default to the sense of somebody telling us something. And in quotes, the term, might I suggest, or can I suggest, or let me suggest, allows us to see how within our language we're making a segue, an entry into someone's way of thinking or doing, and possibly even providing a solution or a leverage or a difference in understanding. So within the realm of our language, influence occurs. Suggestion is going to be based on whatever the intent is from the person outside of us trying to create change. Often, whenever we're in an environmental situation that does not, once again, does not involve words, what is it that's being implied that is also a suggestion, that is also given us a sense of, I have to predict, I have to learn how to read body language. That's one of the other methods other than words is the body language of a person or even the body language of an animal that might be tense or may be apt to be afraid or respond in a way that could be particularly erratic because we can't read. They may have animals have simpler uh, systems of, of response and what humans do. And sometimes they even loop back depending on the level of stress. I'll tell a story in a moment relative to that. But uh, we can't perfectly predict. We may get an idea that this may not be a good idea, or maybe I need to change my trajectory, or maybe remove myself from this immediate environment, especially if it looks like it could become threatening. If somebody is signaling what looks like unfriendly, unaccepting, or maybe even threatening behavior, or sounding threatening, maybe somebody's making noise, or something is making noise. Or maybe something looks like it's precarious, maybe a rickety bridge. We're hearing it creak in the wind, but yet it looks stable enough. But do you really want to take that risk? So once again, the suggestion from the environment, the bridge, it's not an entity with a thinking capacity. An animal does have a measure of thinking that is occurring, problem solving in a simpler sense. 
and then a human being, somebody that can have some very deep sense of strategics and timing and time relative to how maybe a plan or, in quotes, a suggestion might play out. So these are some important things to consider. So external environment suggestion often can be determined by observation and suspending judgment, something we talked about in an earlier podcast, and suspending any sense of what we'd call an opinion or, or feelings about something and trying to gather data. The more data you gather, the more accurate you'll be. Sometimes that requires a little time. And sometimes it requires a little distance because we're in a physical environment. Distance is time whenever there's a possibility of getting injured. So the further away you are, the more potentially uh, accurate you're going to be in your observations about something, as long as you're not under duress or stress or in fight-flight response. Of course, the closer up, you get better details, but you're at a higher degree of risk as well if there's an animal or if there's a rickety bridge that you're trying to test out to see if it'll hold your weight, or if you're dealing with somebody that you may know has a history of doing things that are nefarious or manipulative, this sort of thing. So very quickly, this conversation's gone a little deep, and, and there's a purpose to this. Part of it is realizing that it's our own self-regulation factor, how I interact, whether I choose to interact or interface, and when I interact or interface is up to me. And my entry into the situation has to do with whether or not I can read it so I can predict it effectively, more effectively, I would say. But there's no real way to tell if it's going to be an effective prediction until you get that 2020 hindsight. And um, I want to share a, a quick story with you. One is um, that uh, a number of months back, I was uh, working out and um, in the garage, the door was open. There's a cat that hangs out that's kind of adopted me, and and she's my, I would say, my mascot of sorts. Year in, year out, I work out outdoors, whether it be heat, cold, rain, windy, doesn't matter. Inclement weather, nice weather, doesn't matter. She's out there watching me, hanging out while I'm working out, just being there. So I guess I've become her human, but I remember one day it was a bit windy and a little soaked. She stepped into the garage to get out of the rain, and she accidentally bumped, uh, I think it was a, a flat tinfoil plate, and it slid and make, made a clam, clamorous sound. It was noisy, and she jumped, but also she didn't know what to do with it. It was outside of her realm of reaction programs. It was new to her such that she went through every possible behavior that she's ever exhibited with me and for me, because whenever I would approach her, she'd walk up to me, she would meow, and then she would like literally toss herself onto her side side and bounce. She's um, not obese, but she was kind of fluffy. And uh, <laughs> she would bounce when she hit the cement, and then she'd roll over and let me scratch her, and then she'd get up and do certain things. But uh, she went through all of those programs as part of the evade process from the shock and surprise that it wasn't just run, it wasn't just fight, it wasn't arch the back, it was going through that and going through all the behaviors that she, she was trying to uh, figure out as, as being effective, even the ones that she would use whenever she would approach me so I could uh, scratch her neck or her tummy. So when we have narrowed responses, we go back and loop back to our most basic, most repeated 
we can call that a suggestion as well, a neurological suggestion, uh, behaviors that we've done. And uh, humans, even though we're a little more complex, uh, we can default into similar responses as well when we don't know what to do, when there is an unknown or an ambiguity or something that we have no prior experience with in the sense of not an unknown but an uncanny thing that just doesn't make sense. So these things aren't so far from what it is that, that we experience under stress, not only in the physical sense, but also in the social sense, when somebody provides us with an opportunity to interpret something being said, when people use what used to be commonly called doublespeak or using uh, fancy language, often uh, people would note that there was not necessarily a linear progression from when someone was speaking to what it was that their, their point was, and it was considered dishonest. And this level of speech is designed to create ambiguity and therefore increase possibility of confusion, slowing down to the decision-making process, but also making one more suggestible, meaning that the decision process was wide open for suggestion. So quite a few things there. Now I'd like to share a quote uh, with you, and this is from a book that I've been reading. And, uh, the person that, that wrote this book is writing about perception, and it's called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, and I think it's an amazing read. There's some stuff in there about synesthesia that I won't discuss today, but the author's name is Maureen Seberg. And um, it's the first of her work I've ever read, but I'm really rather impressed with the level of research that she put into it. But one of the things that she mentioned that is so poignant um, that, that came around how we perceive things, once again, those programs that we default into because we can't predict forward, knowing whether or not it's going to be an effective prediction until after the fact. And uh, I'll go and share that quote now. Uh, the quote is um, from a famous philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard. Not familiar with some of his work from years of reading in the past, but um, it goes like this. Life can only be understood backward. But it can only be lived forward. And that speaks so loudly to not only prediction, the fact that we are predictive machines in a sense, but also the fact that 2020 hindsight is amazing and we can solve problems that way. And in a more serious sense, whenever we look at suggestion, we've discussed absolute speak before. But whenever people get to the point that they believe the mess that they have in their minds as a result of their stress and the limiting of their programming to where they think more absolutely, concretely, black, white, up and down, and that abstract falls away. And also the understanding of abstract can become an absolute in the sense that it becomes too big to be handled or understood. And uh, that's when we see people get frustrated and want to check out. They want to sometimes even hurt themselves or commit suicide. And that is a rather extreme case, but uh, working in the field of mental health, that is something that's not so uncommon. So this is when somebody gets to the point and says, I'm not only feeling hopeless, I'm feeling helpless. I don't know what to do in the sense of being overwhelmed. So the suggestion from the environment, this is where it gets rather deep, uh, is that it's overwhelming and I don't have the answers. And it also is a belief in the fact that I'm incapable of answering the challenge of the environment. This is where we switch over to the internal 
or the most proximal suggestion, and that's inside of me. There, there is a belief factor that goes along with that, and whenever we talk about the proximal suggestion internally, that's mine. That is the suggestion I give myself, my own self-talk, my own pre-talk self-belief, my own visualization of what it is that I see myself as. That belief that that I or that ego that I consider me, that is really just <laughs> a semi-false representation. And I laugh because uh, it's almost funny, but at the same time, such a serious thing in this uh, paradigm that uh, people concrete solidify whatever it is that they consider themselves as, as if that's it, when in actuality it's merely our conception of ourself and it's changeable. Whenever a suggestion becomes so powerful that we're apt to act on it, then it becomes something that's transformative in the good sense, but it can also be transformative and damaging in a very lethal sense in the more, in the more negative view. Whenever things aren't going well, when the suggestions aren't supportive, nor are they happy or positive, but still equally as powerful and capable of changing or even motivating movement to where somebody may act in a way that's uh, quite final. So the most proximal suggestion internal is the one that I make to myself. Now, did I create that? Did I make it? In some cases, yes. But how often do we have the most proximal suggestion that was trained into us by repetition? Whether it be at the hands of a parent or teachers at school over years, Maybe the peers that I hang around with, remember the average of the five people we, we most spend time with that we start becoming, those are influences. That often, just because they happen so frequently, we're not there saying, no, I can't accept that, no, I can't accept that to every single suggestion or behavior we see. At some point, it's like incessant. That incessant quality makes that suggestion more powerful because at some point, we exhaust we literally get mentally, emotionally exhausted that we can't just put up the brakes for every single thought that will tire you out, especially if it doesn't match your ethic or moral range, or if it exceeds what you would call the unethical that you'd be willing to participate in if you do, not that you do, but understandably, whenever we start going down a darker path, the things that we're willing to do that are unethical, amoral, antisocial, and the most extreme, asocial. And it's not always the biology of our body and its state that picks it for us. But over time, the state that we're in suggests to us what the options are. And often the options that come up are things that come up as a result of being in stress, which means all the unicorns and butterflies and all that sort of thing are probably not happening. We start seeing darker suggestions, darker possibilities, which means our lens becomes darker. If our lens is dark, then we interpret darkly. If we're looking at a, our life through rose-colored glasses, we're filtering and interpreting through that, and we have a more positive spin on things. And this is something we've known for a while. But suggestion within, however, our suggestion is the most powerful, the most proximal suggestion that we have is the one I suggest to myself or that I carry. Often home beliefs, home mores, home 
ethics and rules and guidelines are the things we take with us. There was uh, a, a famous author, his name is uh, Dr. Glenn Morris, whose book, uh, books actually, I really uh, had studied quite deeply whenever I was training martial arts. Um, his first book came out in 1994, and it was the most phenomenal read. But one of the things he mentioned, and I do give him credit for this, is that he mentioned the things that you learn at home, those lessons are the most valuable that we experience and know as serving us whenever you're a thousand miles from home. So what did you learn at home? I realized when I was in the military and thousands of miles from home, and uh, looking back on it, that the things that served me best is that I learned how to cook and feed myself. I learned how to sew, um, learned how to do repair of clothes, this sort of stuff, and common courtesies. Those are the things that served me well throughout my military stint before I discharged honorably, of course. And, um, realizing that regardless of where I was at, leading with common courtesy made the transitions into social environments and into professional environments much more easy and uh, definitely was much beneficial to me, very much beneficial to me, rather. And uh, I'll never forget that. So those are quite a few things that we talked about today, but is there a distal internal suggestion within me? Those are suggestions that are back burn beyond the back burner they're kind of more so in the in the trunk or in the closet that maybe we've heard or seen that we don't agree with maybe or maybe are only to come out under specific circumstance but uh, the ones that for our discussion today are most important are the internal proximal the closest most powerful suggestion from myself inside the proximal external suggestion what's going on in my environment is it that doggy uh, that's barking at me really close to me, like within arm's reach, can he bite me, can he reach me? That's pretty cool. that proximal. Or is it that rickety bridge way over there, distal, that I'm hearing creak in the wind, but yet um, I can still choose whether or not I want to engage or try to cross it. Um, that's a very distal and weak suggestion, for instance. But um, whenever we deal with social paradigm, the distance between what is a distal or weak suggestion and a close suggestion sometimes is a matter of a few words and a matter of body language that is very accommodating or soothing. And sometimes those are the segues and sometimes the entry points that allow for suggestions to come in that later on we do a face palm and wish we had that back. So today what I'm emphasizing is suggestion and the power of it and how powerful can it be? very powerful. Can it be transformative? Absolutely. Is it hypnotic? Well, I will let you look at your advertising in your television shows and also on your YouTube and whatever else you listen to. And you tell me, is it powerful? Because it is repeated and that is a powerful mode of suggestion. And the suggestions that we receive sometimes are very subtle and sometimes born what we perceive as gentle hands or somebody that is putting on the guise of civility. Use your eyes. Look at things with big eyes. Be able to cut through the mess so you can predict more effectively. That way in your life, you can do this at least. And that's walk well. And that's all we're going to talk about for today. Follow, like, share. And if you think this is useful content, please let me know at the email runningman.com. Get skills project at Gmail. 
and uh, share it with your folks. I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to get some feedback. Let me know how things are going and uh, the global growth is growing. Got people listening in Scotland now, New Zealand, and also in Sudan, which is pretty exciting and, uh, and other areas in Europe as well. And I want to tell you, thank you for listening. Please be part of the family here. We'll be talking soon. Take care.